So a minion is a group of 10 Jews who are gathered together in a single room. The verse in Tehillim in Psalms says, Elohim nitzav ba'adas kel. God is found in the presence of a congregation. Whenever you have a congregation of Jews, God's presence is found over there. Now, how many people do you need to make a congregation? So, our sages point to the Torah. In this week's Parsha, Hashem turns to Moshe and says, How long will this evil congregation rebel against me? He is referring to the ten wicked spies who came back from the land saying, We cannot capture the land. Remember, there were twelve spies initially. Two of them were good. Ten of them were bad. So referring to the ten wicked spies, Hashem says, how long will this ten, will this congrega- evil congregation provoke me? And so from here our sages say, well, a ten people, ten Jews together is a congregation. From there we know that ten together is a congregation. The verse in Psalm says Hashem's presence is found among a congregation whenever ten Jews are gathered together. Now why do we learn the example of a congregation is from the wicked spies? So it teaches us that even if you have ten evil Jews gathered together, ten wicked Jews gathered together, they are still a congregation and God's presence is found among them. We'll soon offer a different explanation But um, that's the classic simple explanation as to why 10 Jews gathered together is learned from the wicked spies. Even wicked people gathered together. If 10 Jews gathered together, God's presence is found among them. So whenever 10 Jews, any 10 Jews gather together, they are automatically considered a congregation and God's presence is found among them. Now the truth is, the Mishnah tells us that God's presence is also found when five Jews are gathered together. They're considered a group. God's presence is found among groups. God's presence is also found when two people gather together. They're a partnership. God's presence is found in a partnership. And the truth is that the Mishnah tells us God's presence is also found um, with every single Jew, even when they are alone. No Jew is ever alone. God is always with them. However, the presence of God that is found with every Jew is not as strong as when there is a partnership when two Jews are together. And there is an even stronger presence when five Jews and Aguda group are together. But the strongest presence of God is felt when ten Jews are gathered together. That is when God's presence is felt in a very strong way. And for that reason, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, in Ethics of Our Father, says that it is best to study in groups. 
you study yourself, that's a good thing. Studying with a partner is even better. That's why Jews historically always started with what we call in Aramaic a chavruta, a partner. Studying with a partner is even better than studying alone. Studying in groups of five is even better. But the best way to study is to have a group of ten in a class together, as we have right now. To have a group of ten studying together, then God's presence is found among them. We should also try to pray together in groups of ten. Or even recite psalms together in groups of ten, because whenever we have ten Jews gathered together, God's presence is found among us. The verse in Job says, Hain kel kabir lo yimos. Hashem will not despise the mighty. And our sages say, who are the mighty? The mighty is whenever you have a group of ten Jews gathered together, they are mighty, they are powerful. And Hashem will never despise their prayers. Whenever you have a group of ten Jews gathered together, well, Hashem generally listens to people's prayers. But Hashem will respond much faster. And the response is much more assured when you have a group of ten Jews gathered together. So any time ten people are gathered together, ten Jews are gathered together to study Torah, the Torah is much more powerful. Whenever we're gathered together to pray, Hashem responds in a great, much greater way. And so there is a very great merit to gather together in groups and to do a mitzvah together, to study Torah together, and particularly to pray together in groups of ten. There are a couple questions. Victor. Who gets counted for a minion? That's a very good question. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. I knew somebody would ask that question. Let's, any other questions? Everyone was going to ask the same question. All right, I'll get to who counts for a minion and why in just a moment. Why the number 10? Why is 10 special? That is a very good question. We'll get to that also in a moment. Any other questions? Okay. So anyone who prays together with a minion in a group of ten brings very great merit to themselves. And there's a very interesting midrash that tells us that there was a woman who lived for a very long time. She was very, very, very old. And she got sick. She was not well. She was in pain. And she wanted to die. And she came to the great sage Rabbi Yossi ben Chalafta. Now, whether a person should ever wish to die or not is a very good question. It's a subject of its own, whether there's ever a time a person can wish to die and whether a person can ever do anything to hasten their death is a discussion of its own. I'm not going to get into that right now. But that's the story. Let's just take it at that. Rabbi Yos, she went to Rabbi Yossi ben Chalafta. She said, I want to die, but I'm not dying. What do I do? Rabbi Yossi ben Chalafta said, maybe there's a mitzvah that you do that's keeping you going. She said, every day I go to shul to pray with the minion, to pray with a group, with a group of ten. Rabbi Yossi ben Chalafta says, ah, that's it. You're praying with the minion. It's keeping you alive. Stop going to shul 
and then you won't have that merit that will keep you alive. But this works the other way, of course. We're praying with a minion, with a group, um, brings great merit and brings long life. So why is it that God's presence is found in a much greater way in a congregation of ten? And this is, again, any ten, the minion for prayers I'll get to in a moment, but any ten Jews, whomever they are, they gather together, Hashem's presence is found among them. Why is that? So we Jews have a dual relationship with God. We have each, every Jew has a personal, direct relationship with God. Hashem is found with every Jew, has a personal relationship with every single Jew. But at the same time, we also have a relationship with God as a community, as a nation. We, not, we made a covenant with God, a personal covenant that we will follow God's commandments and be God's chosen people, but it is also a national covenant that we as a nation have this covenant with God. Our relationship with God is personal, but it's not only personal. It is a communal relationship with God. And while we have that personal connection, we believe that God cares for and looks out for each community, each individual. But God has a greater care and a greater connection with us as a community. And that is why whenever we approach, whenever Jews are found together, whenever we gather together, we don't only have that relationship with God as an individual, we have that relationship with God as a community, as a congregation. Why do we need Ten together to make a congregation? Why ten? So in Kabbalah we say that every Jew has a different, every Jew is different, every soul is different. No two souls are the same, no two individuals are the same. The Talmud says just as our faces don't look the same, no two faces are alike, so too no two minds are alike. No two souls are alike. Everyone is different. But there are generally in Kabbalah ten sefirot, or ten different forms with which our world was created. So when groups of ten gather together, you have ten different types of Jews representing each of the sefirot. So that is the minimal to create a congregation. When you have more than that, the more the better. Our sages say, Barov Am Hadrat Melech. It is more beautiful when you have larger congregations, when we get together in larger groups. The bigger, the better when it comes to a congregation. But the minimal of a congregation is 10. So, whenever we're found as a group, not only are we connected to God as individuals, but we are now a community. We are connecting to God as a community. So yes, God's presence is found with every single Jew, every single member of his chosen people. 
But God's presence is found in an even stronger way with a Jewish community because God, in addition to the personal relationship, has a national, a communal relationship with us. So when we are a congregation, we have that communal relationship with us. And for that way, for that reason, when we pray together, not as an individual, not just as an individual, but as a group, God is much fast, quicker to answer us. Because it's, we're not only invoking that personal connection we have with God, but the group connection, the communal connection as a community, as a nation that we have with God. And for that reason, most of our prayers, almost all our prayers, are written in plural form. Even our pr silent prayer that we say alone, if we say Elokeinu, our God, Avotenu, and the God of our fathers. We always say our, right? Whenever we ask for something, right, we say Ge'aleinu, um, redeem us, Rifa'enu, heal us, Barech Aleinu, bless us, right? Whenever, whenever we speak to God in our prayers, it's never I. It's we have sinned, right? It's always we. We always say we. Even when you're standing alone, you say we. Why? Because the relationship with God, when you invoke your connection as part of the community, part of the congregation, is so much more powerful. And that is why whenever we gathered together in groups of 10, God's presence is found among us in a much stronger way because we're not just individuals, but we are a community. And that is why when we pray together in groups of 10, we, not only, we are not only praying as individuals, but we are praying as a community. God is much quicker to answer us. So the Torah itself tells us to pray. It's one of our 613 commandments to pray. The Torah gives no structure to prayer. Just pray. Speak to God. Every Jew is commanded, speak to God. How to speak to God, when to speak to God, the Torah doesn't say. You speak to God, firstly, to praise Him and thank Him for the things that He has given you. And speak to God to tell Him what else you need communicate and when you need ask for things that you need speak to God pray but the Torah doesn't say exactly when to pray what to pray how to pray it's wide open and indeed for the first 1,000 years of Judaism we had no prayer structure there were no official prayers that were composed there was no place to pray Everyone prayed however they wanted. There were times of trouble. People would gather together in groups to pray. We know that. They would usually didn't have any place to pray. They would gather in the town squares to pray together as a group. But somebody would compose the prayer for the moment. They had no set prayer. Then, after a thousand years of Judaism, this is going back 2,300 years ago, 2,300 years ago, the Ansheik Neset Hagadola, the Great Assembly, was a group of Jewish leaders, a council of Jewish leaders, that made a number of important upgrades to Judaism. And we once did a class um, 
a little while back about the Anshe Knesset HaGadola, about the Great Assembly and the various and the powerful impact that they made on Judaism. Many things that we recognize as normative Judaism today were created by the Knesset HaGadola, by this Great Assembly. But perhaps the most, one of the greatest things that they created was they created a prayer structure. What they found was that prayer wasn't working for most people. Most people were struggling, or at least most men, and we'll soon see why, were struggling, to, were struggling with prayer. They didn't really know how to pray. They didn't know when to pray. They weren't praying properly. So they created a prayer structure. They said, we're going to pray from now on. Everyone, the prayer structure is going to be that you pray three times a day. Morning, afternoon, and evening. On Shabbat and festivals, it's going to be four times a day. On Yom Kippur, it's going to be five times. They also wrote the prayers, exactly what you should say. And they gave us rules of exactly how to say it. And they created the structures, what you say in the morning, what you say in the afternoon, what you say in the evening, what you say on Shabbat, what you say on festivals. They wrote all the prayers and made the structure of prayer. Then they instructed that the men should gather together in a set place that became, in Hebrew, was called the Bet Knesset, the house of gathering. Um, in Greek, it's called a synagogue. And um, in Yiddish, we call it a shul. Um, it's gathered together in a set place. And they should gather together in groups of 10 adult men. And now the truth is, God's presence is found whenever 10 Jews, any Jews, are gathered together for any purpose. Men, women, children, whomever they may be, gather together. God's presence is found. When 10 get people gather together to study Torah, God's presence is found. When they gather together for, um, for prayer, God's presence is found. But our sages created the prayer structure for Jewish adult men. And so therefore they instructed that Jewish adult men should pray together in groups of 10 Jewish adult men. Men, yes. 10 Jewish adult men. Now why did they not create a prayer structure for Jewish women? They only created the structure for Jewish men, for Jewish adult men. They did not create the structure for Jewish women or for children. Why did they not? So, the, for why did they not create a structure for children? Well, children in Jewish law have no responsibilities. They're minors. They're not responsible for anything. Their parents are responsible to train them. So, children have no such responsibility to pray in a particular structure. But as they get older, parents are supposed to train their children to pray as they will need to pray when they get older, and so Jewish boys should be pray, trained to pray within the same structure. So women were also not, um, not required to pray in the same prayer structure as men, although they encourage them to do so. If they want to pray, they encourage them to pray within the same prayer structure. In other words, to at least recite the prayers that they had um, given them, 
although historically women did not always pray those prayers, and women often composed their own prayers. In fact, we have many books of what's called women's prayers. Men are not allowed to compose their own prayers generally, but we have many women's prayers where women composed their own prayers. There where we actually had a Yiddish word for women's prayers called techina, where women composed their own prayers, and often other women adopted them, um, and the like. Why did they not give the, so why were women not included in the prayer structure um, when that the great assembly had created? So the simple reason for that is that the, that the simple reason for that is that the central to the prayer structure is set times to pray. You have to pray in the morning, in that certain time, in the afternoon, and in the evening. Now, the Torah generally, though not always, exempted women from commandments that have set times. Since the Torah exempted women from commandments, not all commandments, Shabbat they have to keep, Passover they have to keep, but some commandments or many commandments that have set times, the Torah exempted women from them. So, therefore, when the sages created a prayer structure that involved set times, they did not include women within that prayer structure, or did not require women to follow that prayer structure since it involved set times for prayer, and since the Torah generally exempted women from, prayer, from commandments with set times, they did not include the women within the prayer structure. On a deeper level, in Judaism we believe that there are fundamental differences between men and women. And we believe that men and women have different roles to play in life and in Judaism. And while yes, there are many things that men do that women can do, many things that women do that men can do, not all, not all, there are not all things, uh, there are definitely things that men tend to lean towards and women tend to lean towards, but we believe that men and women have to some extent, not entirely, in many things we're the same, in many things we have the same roles. But in some things we believe that men and women have different roles. And that is a basic belief in Judaism. Um, and why is a discussion of its own ones did a class on men and women in Judaism. But we believe that men and women do have different roles in Judaism. One of the key differences is we believe that women have more of a nurturing role while men have more of a structured role. So structure rules is more for men, not entirely, there's a lot of rules for women as well, and nurturing development, which requires more creativity and freedom, is more for women. And therefore there are a number of rituals in the Torah that the Torah requires men to do, but does not require women to do. There are also a number of mitzvot, that are for women and not for, a handful of mitzvot that are for women and not for men. And so there are differences. While for most, the vast majority of the 613 commandments, men and women are the same, there are a number for which they are different. In prayer too, our sages believe that women having more of a nurturing side to them, more of a developing side to them, pray naturally. They didn't struggle with prayer the same way men did. Men, however, when they were told by God to pray, the sages found it, that men structure, was struggled with it. They didn't know how to pray. 
They didn't know what to pray, when to pray. No one told them what to do. Without being told what to do, they were lost. And so therefore, when our sages created the prayer structure, they created the prayer structure, you have to pray three times a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening. This is exactly what you're going to say. That prayer structure was, given, was made for Jewish men who struggled with prayer structure. But it was not to start with made for Jewish women. If they like, they're welcome to follow and even encouraged to follow this prayer structure, but not by any means required to do so. And that's why the prayer structure was created for men. Part of the prayer structure was that men should gather together in groups of 10 and recite these prayers in a synagogue, in a place designated for prayer. They should recite these prayers three times a day in groups of 10. So for this prayer minion that the men of the great assembly created, they created this for Jewish adult men, for those for whom they created the prayer structure to start with. And so therefore, in order to be included in the minion in the synagogue for prayer, we always included only Jewish adult men. Now to be clear, whenever 10 Jews gather together, men, women, or children, God's presence is found in a greater way. God's presence is found because we are a community whenever we're gathered together. When we study Torah in a group of 10, God's presence is found among us. Whenever we are in a group together, men, women, and children, whoever it may be, God's presence is found with, with any group or community of Jews. However, there is the prayer structure that our sages created, in which of the, the, great, the men of the great assembly created, in which they create a prayer structure for men to pray three times a day in groups of 10 in a synagogue is for those that they require to pray within that prayer structure. So in order to have a minion for prayer in the synagogue, we need to have 10 Jewish adult men. Yes, Hillary. When you say adult men, you mean over 13 after the bar mitzvah. Very good point. To be a Jewish adult man, you have to be 13. Very good point. Excellent. 13. 13. Bar mitzvah. Anyone after that 13th birthday is considered a Jewish adult man. A Jewish adult woman is at 12. As soon as they hit their 12th birthday, they are bat mitzvah and they become a Jewish adult woman. We did a class some time ago about bar and bat mitzvah. Yes, Debbie. That's an interesting suggestion. So, is it a way to get That's a very interesting su suggestion. The prayer groups were in order for men to bond together. Women don't have so much trouble. Maybe. Good point. Yeah. Carol? There are some things that women do that aren't tied to time, like lighting the Shabbos candles. That are tied to time. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Or keeping Shabbos, for that matter. Yeah, or, Shabbos. yes. Or, or possibly, there are. There are many commandments that women have that are tied to time. Yes. Okay, so we can't but they're not exempt from all commandments tied to time. The exact, they're not exempt from all commandments tied to time. I believe there's about 14, if I recall correctly, um, commandments tied to time that women are exempt from. 
Could you clarify the concept of bar mitzvah? Is it only the formal Later. ceremony, or are there other ways? Of After the class. Yes, good question. After the class. We did do a class on bar and bar mitzvah. So our sages who wrote the prayers, this is the great assembly who wrote the prayers, they also decided that there are certain prayers that can only be recited when there is a minion, when there is a group of 10 adult men. What are the prayers that can only be recited when there is a minion, when there is a group of 10 adult men? Those prayers include the Kaddish, the Kaddish when we um, declare God's name holy, we recite the Kaddish multiple times throughout our prayer. There is a custom that developed much, much, much later, um, about a thousand years ago, that those who lost loved ones recite Kaddish. We did a class some time ago about that. Um, but the initial Kaddish was just a part of the prayer. But the Kaddish can only be recited um, when there is this minion, this group of 10 adult Jewish men. Also, the Baruchu, which is a summon to prayer, where the cantor says, Baruchu et Hashem hamvarach, blessed is God who is blessed. And it is a call to prayer um, that we recite before the blessings of the Shema, also can only be recited with a minion of 10 Jewish adult men. In addition, our sages said that after everybody recites the Amida or the Shemona Esrei, the silent prayer, um, we, the cantor should then repeat it for those who were unable to pray themselves. Now, that was done, and we did a class on the Shemona Esrei some time ago. We spoke about it then. That was done because at the time there were no prayer books. Prayer books in synagogues where you could just pull one off the shelf is a fairly modern um, development. It only came about after printing was widely available. So you can go to the store and purchase prayer books, and you can have a whole selection of prayer books in your synagogue for people to just pull off the shelf. Before printing, if you wanted a prayer book, you had to write it yourself. So most people did not have prayer books. People who prayed knew that they had prayer books for high holiday prayers, prayers that were rarely said. The regular prayers, daily Shabbat prayers, people memorized. They knew it by heart. If you knew it, you said it. You didn't know it, you didn't say it. So a lot of people did not know the prayer, so the cantor would repeat the prayer. Also, so this repetition of the prayer could only be done with a minion. In addition, the kedusha, which is said during the repetition, which where the... Um, in addition, the kedusha, which is said during the repetition, where um, the, um, the cantor leads the people in calling out the praises that the angels praise God, kadosh, 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 um, is also can only be done with a minion, as well as the priestly blessing, um, a blessing that the Kohanim do, um, that we only do really on holidays today, it can also only be done with a minion. Without a minion, if one prays alone, or one prays without 10 Jewish adult men, one can still say all the prayers and just skips these particular parts. They also limited the reading of the Torah only to a minion, only to when there is a group of 10 Jewish adult men. We read the Torah in public. Um, other than that, we do not read from the Torah. We can always study Torah, but we do not read the Torah in public. Um, in addition, 
they encourage that at certain life cycle events, we should have when we recite certain blessings, we should have a daily, a minion of 10 Jewish adult men um, at a bris, a circumcision, at a wedding, as well as at when we do the Sheva Brachot, as well as at a funeral. And these were all, we had these life cycle events, of course, before the men of the Great Assembly created the structures, but they created various blessings um, for each of these events. And so, and they wanted that these blessings should be recited with a minion with a group of 10 Jewish adult men. Yes, Debbie. They should always be praying with a minion, absolutely. How do men work? How do you have jobs and pray three times a day with a minion? That is a very good question. So in the morning before work, one goes to prayers and prays with a minion first and then goes to work. One should first pray with a minion before work. We have a minion here every morning at 7 a.m., um, so one should pray with a minion first before work. Uh, in the summer, one can pray the afternoon prayer late because the afternoon is, goes pretty late. It doesn't get dark now till after 8 p.m. Hopefully most people are done working by then. In the winter, though, it's a concern because it gets dark at 5 o'clock. A lot of people are still at work at 5 o'clock. And for that, matter, for that reason, many places of work have a minion at work. So here in El Segundo, where there are a lot of um, companies with Jews working there, a lot of Jews working there in El Segundo, they have during the winter, they have a daily minion downtown LA, there are multiple daily minions in Century City and other places of work, there are, they have minions for that purpose. So you can have to do it three times a day? You've got to do it three, well morning, by evening you, you're back home, you could go to the nearby synagogue. But yes, it's a challenge, it remains a challenge, um, it's a challenge on airplanes when you fly, Often you don't even have 10 Jews flying with you. But when you fly El Al, if anyone here has fly, flown El Al to Israel, there usually are 10 Jews on the plane, and they make minions. And uh, it's been a problem because they've gone into some battles with the flight attendants. I think there's a re very recently El Al has um, designated areas on planes for prayer. They do it as well, yes. yes. You could do it anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or if you cannot make the minion because you have other responsibilities, best to pray yourself. Yes. How late do you pray in the evening prayers? The evening prayers can be prayed all night. And you can have a minion also? Yes. Yes, at any time. Can you drive, so, can you drive to the synagogue for the third prayer if you want On a weekday. On a weekday? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So now when the pandemic struck just over two years ago, we all had to, unfortunately, a terrible thing, we all had to close our shuls and we had to consider virtual minions. Does, do virtual minions count? So on Shabbat, virtual minions are a problem because we're forbidden from using electricity. You once did a class on electricity on Shabbat, and Shabbat where we spoke about that in much greater detail. But when it is not Shabbat, can we have a virtual minion? So given that a minion is special because God's presence is found whenever 10 Jews gather together, a virtual minion does not have 10 Jews gathered together in one place. 
So a virtual minion does not work. However, the Talmud says, so the virtual minions did not work. We still, during the two months or so until May of 2020, when we were closed, our shul was closed until they let us reopen, um, we still did a Zoom minion on weekdays. It wasn't really a minion and we were not able to do the Kaddish or any of the other prayers that cannot be done without a minion. But just for the sake of the community to pray together is better than praying alone. Um, at least it was something, but it did not count as a minion. However, if there is 10 Jews gathered together praying, and we did this for a while, once we did open, there were a lot of people who were um, highly, um, um, who were, um, who were more concerned or had uh, medical problems or were older and were, it was unsafe for them to come to Minion. And for them, we continued the Zoom option as well. And we had a Zoom option for Minion for a long time. The Talmud says that if someone cannot pray with a Minion, they should make an effort to at least pray at the same time that the Minion is praying. Because God is not only faster to answer prayers of 10 Jews gathered together, he answers any individual who prays at the same time that 10 Jews that are gathered together pray. So if you pray at the same time that the minion is praying, God is faster to answer you. So therefore, if there is a minion praying and you are unable to go to shul, definitely if you dial in or join via Zoom, you at least get to pray at the same time as the minion. And so that itself is a valuable, that itself is a very valuable thing. In fact, my grandfather, who was a rabbi in New Jersey for many years, um, he passed over 20 years ago, but he was very, very careful to always pray with a minion. He tried, he would, he would even schedule his flights in a way that he could, when he flew to visit us in Australia, where I grew up, he would stop off in California, in Los Angeles, and have someone here pick him up, my uncle pick him up, in order to be able to go to the minion and then continue on his trip. He was very concerned to be able to pray with a minion. At the end of his life, he was sick and he was unable to go to shul. But this is before Zoom even existed. This is 20 years ago, right? So in the olden days. So um, there he, he, though, he would call in on the phone from his hospital room. He would call into the minion to at least pray at the same time that the minion is praying. So one should, it is a good thing, it is ideal to pray at the same time as the minion. So we did say earlier that the source of the, 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 the rule, the statement, that whenever a group of 10 Jews are gathered, God's presence is found among them, comes from Tehillim, from Psalms, that says, Elohim nitzav badat kel, God's presence is found within a congregation. And the source, how do we know that the minimum size of a congregation for God's presence to be there is 10 Jews? How do we, where do we get that from? So we mentioned that we get it from God saying about the spies, the 10 wicked spies who came and said, we cannot um, enter the land. It's too, the people are too strong. We will not be able to enter the land. They convinced all of Israel not to want to go into the land. These 10 wicked spies, God tells Moses, how long will this wicked congregation provoke me? So he calls them a congregation. From here we learn that 10 Jews together are a congregation. Now why does it speak of 10 
Why do we use ten wicked people as the example of our minion of ten Jews gathering together for God's presence to be found? So earlier we mentioned it teaches us that even if these people are not good, even if they're wicked people, God's presence is still found among them. But Hasidic teachings tell us that the spies actually were initially righteous people. In fact, the Torah says, when Moses first sent them, Moses saw them all to be good people, righteous people. It was only later that they came back and said, we cannot enter the land. But initially they were righteous people. Hasidic teachings tell us that the spies actually had a plan. They did not want to go into the promised land for a reason. Not be really because they were afraid that they would not be able to conquer the land. But in the desert, they were living the perfect life. The manna fell for them every single day. They had food. They, their clothing never got worn out. They never needed clothing. They had all their needs cared for them. They didn't have to work. What did they do all day? They did not play golf. What did they do? They studied Torah a whole day. They were studying Torah. What better life is there than that? God takes care of everything, and they were studying and praying a whole day. It was the perfect life. They knew once they enter the promised land, everyone's going to be given a plot of land, and they're going to have to farm the land in order to survive. No more manna. Nothing's going to be handed to them anymore. They're going to have to start working. They're not going to have as much time to pray and to study. They'll have to spend a little time each day praying and studying. We're required to do so. They're going to have to work or live a real life. They didn't want to do that. They enjoyed their wonderful spiritual life. They wanted to live a very spiritual life. So in theory, they had a very good um, goal or value. They wanted to live a spiritual life praying and studying a whole day without anyone disturbing them, without any need to worry about material things. But they made a big mistake. They were wrong. Why? God doesn't want us to live life just praying and studying all day. If he wanted us to live a spiritual life, he could have made us angels. He didn't have to make us people. He made us as people because he wants us, and he made it very, very hard to succeed in life, to take care of yourself. He wanted us to struggle in life. He wanted us to struggle to make a living, to be able to feed ourselves, to be able to have shelter, to be able to take care of our basic needs, to be able to build a life. We work hard in life. And then he said, I want you to make this life, I want you to make it spiritual. Our goal in life is not to live a spiritual life, not to become a hermit and live in a monastery. Jews never had monasteries. Our goal in life is, we had yeshivas, but yeshivas are only training until to get out, to go out into life, into the real world. But God wants us to live the real world, to live life, to struggle, to build a business, to work a job, to build a family, to buy a home, to live the real life, and in that world make our lives spiritual. Find time for prayer. Find time for study. Give charity from your earnings. Rest on Shabbat on the seventh day, all while working in the real world, in the real life.
So that is why the spies were wrong. They were mistaken in wanting to only live a spiritual life and spend time in the desert. But their ideal was not so bad. Because although God wants us to live a material life, we should still aspire to have spiritual experiences. We should want to live a more spiritual experience, a more uplifting life as they did. We cannot do it all day, but in our earlier formative years, we should spend time going to yeshivas, going to schools where we can study. Every day we should find time, spiritual moments, to pray, to study. Every week we have one day, Shabbat, designated for spirituality, when we don't worry about the material parts of life. So we should still cherish and value spiritual moments. Yes, God wants us to make this world, the world that we live, godly. Wants us to make our home and our business and our jobs godly. But we should still value spiritual moments, spirituality. We should step every once in a while, we've got to step out of our materialistic world and focus on spirituality. And that is why God chose these spies to be the example of a minion. Because their ideal of living a spiritual life was wrong. We're supposed to live in the real world. However, we should also strive to live a more spiritual life. And when we gather 10 Jews together, God's presence is found among us, and it is a moment to live in a more spiritual way. And that is why we should always gather together for prayer, gather together for Torah study, gather together to do a mitzvah. But it goes even further. Whenever we are gathered together for another reason, another purpose, for a party, for a celebration. We're gathered together for some other reason, not for particularly a spiritual purpose. We must take the opportunity and remember, if 10 Jews are in the room, God's presence is found among us. We must utilize the power of the moment. So whenever 10 Jews are gathered together in the room, we should share words of Torah. We should pray together. It could be a short prayer. Say one chapter, of, read a short prayer together, but pray together. Recite words of Torah together. Give charity together. Have everyone give charity. Do something spiritual during that moment. Take advantage of that minion moment, the moment when we have God's presence found among us. And so therefore, we do learn from the spies the value of spirituality, that it is a value, although not the value, and whenever 10 Jews are gathered together, we should take advantage of that moment and make it a spiritual moment whenever we can.